something that uh, we, we talk about from time to time in our, in our small group. Um, I want you to picture two believers, okay, and make them similar to yourself. If you're a middle-aged male or a middle-aged man, demographically the same. About, you know, same gender, same age, same income level. Okay, you've got two believers. Um, believer A, we'll just call him Believer A, uh, is friends with Believer B, and there is something wrong in Believer B's life. He needs to speak to this brother or sister before they can have any meaningful dialogue. What conditions need to exist between the two of them in in their relationship? um, What needs to be in place before believer A can share with believer B? Trust. Good answer. That's a powerful one-word saying. There has to be a, a trust relationship between A and B. Yeah. What else? Compatibility. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have to be able to relate to one another. Sure. Good. Good. Steve. You have to know the person. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, 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 to have that communication. You've got to to know each other at, at more than just a name basis, right? Sure, good, good answer. Yeah, what else? A history of honesty. Ooh, that one's good, yeah. They, they, they've got to have, you know, have built up a relationship between them. Yeah, what else? Anything else? Some level of accountability. Yeah, you can't just, just say, hey, you, you've got this serious problem here, and, and, and that's it. Yeah. How about even before that, when, when A looks at B, you know, these kind of things can tend to get a little messy. You know, he has to be willing to, to step into that. A has to be able to see that there's a problem, and before anything happens, he's got to care enough to be willing to do something. How about in, in that dialogue? Is, is there anything, any conditions that should exist once they begin talking? Ooh, who? A has to be right in his. You, before you take the splinter out of this person's eye, get the beam out of your own eye. Yeah, great point. Kevin, you can't go pridefully. You can't go arrogantly. You've got to have that that spirit alone. We're going to be talking about that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Faith, common faith. Share that relationship in Jesus Christ. Exactly, yeah, great point. Yeah, there's got to be something, that, that underlying foundation, you know, under there. Okay. Cheryl. Mm-hmm. That's right. You, you can't be going to that person looking, listen, sinner, uh, you, you better get your act together. Yeah, yeah, no. That's, that's, that's a great point. Great point. Anyone else? Bathe it with prayer and fasting. Yes. Yeah, you can't go in your flesh. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a look at, uh, uh, we're continuing on in Galatians. 
Um, we're going to take a look at chapter 6, the first five verses. I, I want to put this, before we get started, I want to put this into the context of the rest of the book. You know, you, you can learn a lot by taking a, a section of Scripture out. And uh, in this particular section, the first five verses, is, is one thought. And you can learn a lot from that. But by t- keeping that in the balance of the context of the book, it, it really is a powerful uh, a message. Theme that we've been studying, which is... Let's, uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's all say that together. The gospel plus nothing equals everything. So far, we've been looking in Galatians. The, you know, the main thrust of this is simply we are saved by faith, not by works. The, Tim's great line here, you know, we, to, to cross that line of salvation, unsaved, saved. It's, it's, we're, there's no deeds. I can't do works that earn crossing that line. Um, this is strictly by faith. Paul is, is just driving that, that point home. Our righteousness before God is by faith. Don't earn salvation, and I don't work to keep it. it it's by faith. The law, Paul goes on, this law is given to us to lead us to Christ. And, and as a result, uh, we're to live by faith, then Paul goes on, spirit-controlled. So let's take a look at uh, verses. I have a New American Standard up here, which most of you have. I've, uh, if you have a Bible or a, a reader or a, an eye something or other, um, you know, use that. But brothers, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load." He starts out this section here. He says brothers, brethren. It's a generic word. Um, Many translations like NIV translate that word brothers and sisters. This is important. This sounds like a small detail, but this is important. Who's he talking to? Fellow believers. Who is included and who Paul is talking to? Right there. She got it. Us. Her and him and her and me and, and, and all of us. This is addressed to us. This is, this, this is important. We're going we're gonna to see that. Even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a person. Restore. That's the, the word restore is uh, used in the New Testament uh, for mending of nets. It's used in other Greek literature for setting a broken bone. It, it carries the connotation of taking something that's broken and making it whole, repairing it. If, if someone is caught in a, in a trespass, the, the object is to, to restore them, to make them whole again. You know, church discipline is something that, that we never like to talk about, um, but the, uh, the object 
where the goal of church discipline isn't to beat someone up or, or to let them know what, you know, how horrible of a person they are. The object of church discipline is restoration. Um, it, it, it's to bring a person back into the, the right relationship with Christ. A rebuke from a brother or sister, you know, from person A to person B, shouldn't be something that is feared. It should be welcomed. You know, there, there's that old expression. How is it that the army of God is the only army in history that shoots its own wounded soldiers? It's an unfortunately, over history, that's, that's been a true statement many, many times. And, you know, the irony of this truth is that who is really guilty of the more grievous sin, the person caught in a sin or the unloving person who beats them up? You know, who, who's really guilty of the, the more, you know, grievous sin, the, the self-righteous person or the person who has found themselves uh, caught in a, in, a, in a serious sin? You know, it's, Jesus called us to an abundant life. Um, he, he's called us to a rich life. And I want to testify to you this morning, I, I love that abundant life. You know, I see that. And there are times in my life when I'm, you know, missing that. And, and, and I usually don't see it until I've got issues straightened out in my own life. But that's what Jesus is calling us to. And for whatever reason, well, we understand the reasons. In 21st century America, we really are, our society really does condition us that we have no business, we have no right to go up and and say to someone else, you know, you're missing something in your life. You know, your your life would be improved if if you lived this way. You know, we're, we're not, we're conditioned that, you know, who am I to say to you, how to live, but yet, you know that 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 really is uh, that really is what we called what we're called for, and you know I want to say this morning, when I was first put up for elder, I had to come up and uh, share a few words, and and there was one thing that I really wanted to say, and and I got there and I and I just completely missed it, and you know maybe it was for a purpose because I get to say it now, I invite you. I ask you, speak into my life. And, and that's something that our society says is, is, you know, is wrong. We really do live everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. That, that really is the norm for us today. Paul goes on and, and he says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You know what really is the rub in that statement right there? Why did he even have to say it? Why did Paul have to say, restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, in in a loving fashion? Not what we'll do. We would tend to be, within ourselves, we'll tend to be prideful and harsh with someone. You know, especially someone that is caught in some kind of a sin. Um, You know, our, our tendency is, is going to be hard. Paul has to point that out to us. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. 
at first blush, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. At first blush, that looks like all Paul is saying is don't be tempted by whatever that person's sin is. If I were to go to uh, my brother uh, who's uh, having an issue with uh, pornography um, and I'm saying to him, you know, friend, you, you shouldn't be looking at this stuff. Wow. Don't be tempted by the sin that they're in. And, and that is true. That is correct. But actually, as I studied this, all commentators that I saw agreed on something, and that's pretty remarkable in and of itself. That temp- tempting in that sentence structure, because this is one big thought in the Greek. That's like a single sentence kind of a thing in the Greek. The temptation would include those fleshly tendencies of self-righteousness. It would be the tendency for us to look down at a person in a sin. You see, our nature is such that we become prideful when we see someone else who has fallen where we have stood. See, when someone else is committing some kind of a, a, a wrong that we don't, we don't do. You know, that, you know, this brother here, that pornography is just wrong, and I don't look at that stuff. You know. That is fertile ground to feed our ego. And, you know, the, 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 the thing of it is, the problem with that is, is you don't see that coming. That's a temptation you don't even see, to, to look down at someone or just to build ourselves up by comparing ourselves to someone else's failure. You know, that, that's just something that, that we, we, we just don't see coming. But it's a real issue. Paul is saying, beware of this. Watch out for it. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Very interesting choice of words when taken in the context of the rest of the book. Because the, the balance of the rest of the book, or certainly the, through the first four chapters, is really about the law and grace. So he's really making an interesting play on words here. Christ, the giver of grace, gives the law of Christ. It's, it's, it's almost, what's the word when, when they're juxtaposition there? Jesus made a play on this. He gave a law. He gave a commandment. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, or I'm sorry, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. This is a, uh, 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 an interesting role reversal here. It makes a contrast. And the point of it is just to bring attention to, you know, Jesus is the giver of grace. And his gift is grace from one to another. It's, it's that picking up. It's that, in, in this verse here, we're saying, bear one another's burdens. You know, a few months ago, Miguel came and, uh, and joined us, and he shared his testimony, and he drew out the illustration of how God spoke to him about Daniel, uh, from the book of Daniel, in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And there was the, uh, um, the fourth person, the son of man, in that, in that fiery furnace. And he shared about how he was in the fire. And then if you recall that service, now I know that service was past Wednesday, was beyond Wednesday, um, but, but if you remember back, Tim jumped on that, 
And we ended up uh, doing the microphone thing, and we passed the microphone around. And boy, you know, I still think about that. There's a lot of us that are in the fire. There's a lot of people here that are carrying a burden. And I put the Greek word, the English rendering of the Greek word, next to the word burden. This burden is, uh, this is a heavy load. This is an oppressive load. This is a, a load that, and I'm using a poor word because load is used in the end there. But this is a, a, a burden that is with you always. It's there when you get out of bed in the morning. You have no relief from this. It's oppressive. You know, it, it's hurtful. It is a temptation towards sin. It's the type where you just want to throw up your hands. I can't do anymore. I can't do it. It, it just hurts too bad. And we went around, and, and person after person just, uh, you know, just shared that, different burdens. And Paul here is saying, you know, carry one another's burdens. People, Mike, I know you're carrying a burden, and I can't fix it. I can't make it better, and I can't carry it for you. But I care, and I'm here if you need me. Carry one another's burdens. You know, sometimes, many times, we can't fix their burdens, but we can care, but, but, but we can share a load with them. We come alongside. And, you know, here again, in our society, we are taught, you know, as Americans, we're to be self-sufficient. Having a, a load is seen as a weakness, you know, needing to share that load in our society. But that's, that's so far from a biblical life. It's not how we're to be living. And, and that's, and again, that's, that, that burden there is that oppressive load. And we're to be you know, coming alongside our brothers and sisters that are carrying that, that heavy load. He goes on and he says, For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. He talks about here the importance of seeing ourselves correctly. And when we do that self-examination that Paul here is speaking of, and we are truly honest with ourselves. You know, we just did the two believer A and believer B. And when those truths, and we came out with some great examples here of, of, you know, what that's supposed to be like. When we examine ourselves and we compare ourselves with that list that we actually just condemned ourselves with, Who's, greater, who's guilty of the greater sin, the believer or those who don't care enough, I'm sorry, the sinner, or those who don't care enough to go help this person, don't care enough to go share that load, don't care enough that this person is living and is missing an abundant life. We don't care enough to do something. Who's, who's got the greater sin? And, and Paul is saying, you know, when you examine yourself, when I examine yourself myself, do I have reason for boasting? To be truthful, I examine myself. I only conclude, Lord, I am 210 pounds of sin in a sneaker or whatever kind of shoes I'm wearing. You know, that, that's my conclusion. I have no other choice for that. And Paul, that's, it's almost a sarcastic comment because uh, in the 14th verse, which is coming up, um, we're going to see where Paul is writing, there is no boasting in other than Jesus Christ. That's, we have no right to be thinking any more highly of ourselves than what we really are. Paul goes on, and in this, that's, 
I couldn't find a picture of any Greek soldiers. There weren't many around now. So I got a picture of a couple of America's finest here, um, and I mean that sincerely. I don't know what the event is where these two guys are running. Paul says in that last one, each person, in that last verse, each person must carry their own load. And that can be, let me just back up. In verse 2, bear one another's burdens, is that Greek word right there, for each one will carry his own load, uh, fortune. In English, the word burden and load, yeah, you can kind of use them interchangeably. The Greek words are nothing alike. Um, they, are, they, they are very, very different. The Greek word for burden is, is it, it's a load that just sucks the life out of you. It's just there every day. It's oppressive. It is a temptation to sin. The word portion there, you see the, on those two soldiers, the pack on their back, that would be the word, that word would describe that pack on their back. Now you can see these guys, you know, they're smiling, they're running, they've got a load on their back, and that load, by the way, uh, if these men go deployed, or, you know, a bivouac, as the army calls it, or they go into combat, in that pack on their back is what they need to be sustained in the field. Um, the army has really made a science out of making that pack just, just what it needs to be. So these guys are carrying their load. Paul, in, in this passage, what he's saying is, each of us has a responsibility. Each of us has a, a role to fill in the body. That role, from time to time, means speaking to our brother who has something wrong in their life. They, they need to get something corrected. It, it may mean that we need to uh, um, carry, just come alongside somebody whose burden is just crushing them and, and carry them along. But each of us, we're, we're to be carrying our load. We're to be doing that self-examination. We're to be fulfilling. You know, this is kind of like the, the part of you know, the, the command at the end. It's an imperative. Do all this that, that I just wrote about is, is what Paul is saying here. So what I want to do here is I want to invite you this week to take a, take a challenge. Uh, let's do that self-examination and take a look at some of these great comments that were made earlier, that, that list of things that, that we talked about. Um, and, and those list of things, really, they need to be present both in a rebuke of someone or just going up and carrying their load. You know, we need to be right before the Lord to do this. So I want to challenge you to do that. And then look around is there someone whose load I can carry? I want to send out an email at the end of the week to you know, one of those church-wide emails. And I'm just going to give you an opportunity. If you want, fine. If you don't want it, don't, don't worry about it. But I'll have my email address. Send me a note back. And yeah, bud, I, I worked on this. I, I helped another person. I, I see an issue that... I've been concerned about my friend who is missing the abundant life, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go share with them. Or, bud, I see this in my life, and I can't fix it. Will you talk to me about it? You know, yeah, you know, let, let, let's sit down and talk about 
something, you know, something that you want to develop in your own life. So I want to invite you toward the end of the week. Rosanna is out, so uh, Tim has volunteered that he will send out this, this church-wide email. And uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to share with me. So we're going to make it past Wednesday with what we've learned this morning, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, we just give you praise that you call us to an abundant life. Um, and Father, it's just my prayer. Knit our hearts together. Lord, cause us to, to, have the, to care enough about the person sitting in the aisle across from us that we'll make those changes in our life. We'll make that relationship right. Lord, lead us uh, in, in, into the building. Give us a heart to build one another up. And Father, we'll just give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. We are dismissed.